Being in business is stressful when you're wearing all the hats and trying to figure out everything on your own. Does having someone to guide you and having access to your own team of designers, content creators and web support sound too good to be true? What if I told you it's available to you right now? Join me at samanthariley.global forward slash collective to join the Experts Collective and get the strategy and support you need to take your business to six figures this year. That's samanthariley.global forward slash collective. I'll see you there. Give team members the environment where they feel safe to fail. Because if your team members are afraid of getting in trouble, they'll hold back. And the crazy thing is, is the more they hold back and the more they feel afraid, the more mistakes they're going to make. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, and joined by my Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great, Sam. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. We are going to go on with our theme for this month, which is around building teams. Yeah. This is a bit strange for you because you're talking to your team all the time and you run a pretty tight ship with the Experts Collective, but the number of people I've spoken to recently who do not run any form of team meeting and then wonder why their team is not performing for them mm. is quite scary mm-hmm. to me. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I think you know, if you've got people around you right, and you're asking them to do work, there has to be a bit of that sort of accountability attached to it to make it actually effective. If you imagine that as the business owner, you're the bus driver and your team members are on the bus with you, you're all going towards the same vision. Essentially, that's what's happening. Imagine being the bus driver and jumping off with the keys. Like the team can't go anywhere. They can't go anywhere without the vision. If they don't know where they're going, then they can't pull it off. And I've heard many business owners complaining that their team isn't doing what they want them to do. And when we dive down that rabbit hole a little bit or say, well, you know, what have you told them that they should do? Oh, well, I want them to just, you know, be self-reliant. And it's like they're not going to be if you don't tell them where they're heading. (laughs) Yeah. I recall a conversation I had with a builder recently as part of a networking mastermind that that I run. And he was making a comment about how he couldn't find people who would deliver at the level that he wanted them to deliver at. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he had to do it himself all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is a pretty common story. And mm-hmm. then made the comment that people coming out of the Institute of Technology and stuff with their certifications were not at the level that he needed them to be at, right? And that was mm-hmm. a problem for those educational institutions uh-huh. I, said, I said no it's a problem for you right if you want them to be here right where you are and they're not coming in at that level and you can't find staff at that level it's, that's your job that's your point of difference and it's mm-hmm. you that mm-hmm. need to you know create that environment where they can perform at the level that you want them to 
Absolutely. Uh, and I remember years ago, I actually came across the lady the other day, Pam McDonald. So shout out to Pam for sticking this in my head in perpetuity. <laughs> if, you've got a, if you've got a team that's not delivering the outcome that you want now, and as we talked about back in last week in episode 299, if you're building a team and that team is not just your day-to-day employees, it means your accountant, your lawyer, your, you know, your bookkeeper, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, your business coach even, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who are not delivering you the results that you want to do, well, that's on you because you haven't mm-hmm. set the expectation or arranged a framework to manage what those people are delivering towards the outcomes you want. And Pam said this thing, right? If you've got underperforming employees, you either hired them dead or you killed them. Oh, mic drop moment. Oh, Pam Now you understand why this is stuck with me, right? Because when I, you know, when I heard Pam say this, I was managing a team of 100 staff, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm like, well, hang <laughs> In this case, I didn't get to hire them because they were sort of on a, on a project that I was managing. And by killed them, it just means I did not give them the skills or resources to succeed at what I was asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're the wrong person in the first place. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that as we go through the six steps that we're going to cover off to build an effective team, right? Or I didn't give them the tools and resources they needed to succeed. Absolutely. Oh, there's a huge amount of value there. We could actually stop stop right now, but we're not going to. We're not going to. This episode is made possible by Your Podcast Concierge. Editing your podcast can be time-consuming. Your Podcast Concierge offers comprehensive and affordable podcast production and social media marketing services to help you grow your podcast and business faster. Go to yourpodcastconcierge.com and book a call via the Let's Talk button on the homepage and receive 50% off your first month when you mention Thought Leaders Business Lab. All right, so we've got a few things here that you need to consider to be able to build an effective team or a, a highly performing team. And as you mentioned already, Tim, I think the very, very first piece is understanding even before you hire your vision of where you're heading and your personal values, because your team is going to be directly relating to you, communicating with you. And if your values don't match, it's just not going to work. How important do you think the vision is before you get going, as opposed to building it as you go? I'd love to hear your take on this. It does evolve. No Mm -hmm. question. It evolves, right? The vision, and we've talked about this, your business has gone through a massive transformation in the last 12 months. Not all COVID-related, but it certainly Mm -hmm. has changed in the last 12 months. But I think if we come back to this thing, we've got to have some idea of where we're going to go. Otherwise, we don't know what we need to do to get there. If you just got in the car and went for a drive, you'd go, well, where am I, right? But Mm -hmm. if I wanted Mm -hmm. to drive from Canberra to Sydney right now, I've got a vision. My vision is I want to get to Sydney. Not that I would mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. all the stuff that's going on. No, no, no one wants to come to Sydney right now. Right. <laughs> We're on I don't our know own. where I'm going. I don't know how to, I won't have any idea about how to get there. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that comes down to the vision, right? We've got to be really clear about what is that we want our business to deliver to us. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. part of our vision. Our values, I think, are absolutely critical and entwined with that. And whilst mm-hmm. there might be some differences in the values, that our business holds compared to our personal ones, as coaches and consultants, more often not, those are super aligned because otherwise mm-hmm. we won't like working in our business. We won't mm-hmm. like the thing we're creating because there isn't that values alignment. And likewise, 100%. when you bring team in, 
if those team doesn't share the same values, there will be that misalignment as well. And you'll find this this ongoing friction. You won't necessarily know why, mm-hmm. right? but you'll find that there's this friction between, you know, between the organisation and even the other people in the organisation and, you know, one or two people who don't share the same values because they're not, they don't want to go where you want to go when they don't like how you're getting there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can tell you there is a, a shift that I made a few years ago in the way that I put up my job posts for new team members and it was an absolute game changer for our company. What I used to do is when I put an ad out for a job, I would put what the job was, the kind of tasks that were going to be done, the kind of skill, all of those normal things. What I did was change that around and actually now in my job posts, I say, this is what our company does. This is the type of clients that we work with. This is the values of our company. This is what's important to us before anything about the job. And let me tell you, it's been a game changer because anyone that reads that and goes, that's not a fit for me, they don't even read about the job. They don't even apply. So the people that apply for the job, they've already read through what we're about and what we expect, what's really important to us. And our team are absolute guns because they're aligned with our values. So it means that we all can get on very well. Yeah. I put it in the category of attitude and aptitude. Nice. All right. If you do any reading on HR and employment, there has been a, a big shift, look, even over the last 20 years towards values-based hiring mm-hmm. more so than skills-based hiring, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that thing. If I, if I say attitude and aptitude, right, those things can't be trained, mm-hmm. right? They're inherent in you and the people you employ, Mm-hmm. Um, what can be trained is skills, mm-hmm. right? And there has been that big shift, I think, in towards towards that, right? So, you know, when we look at values as being, who are, you know, what's our values and vision and, you know, the right fit in our organisation, which is obviously the second part of, of building an effective team, it's not just fitting with you, it's fitting with the other people in the team as well. And when mm. we have that alignment of attitude and aptitude and values, there is that better fit. And as you our experience in your team right now. It's just this cohesive unit that just works mm. well together. Mm-hmm. And they're actually making that team, without you saying so, is actually working to make you redundant. Mm-hmm. Which I'm okay with, <laughs> which I'm really okay with. <laughs> but you've brought up a really good point that hiring on the right fit for the team versus the skill that they can bring is going to make a huge difference when you're thinking about growing the team on a, on a larger scale. We had uh, just recently someone that we interviewed for a position, she absolutely ticked every box for skill, like not just a little bit. She was like really top-notch. However, after the interview, Leon and I sort of came together and both of us had the same worry that we didn't feel that she was going to fit in with the team. Mm. We felt that that was going to add a bit of a wedge and probably get a few people's backs up. And because there's so many workflows that need to happen behind the scenes, we had to not consider taking that applicant forward because even though she had all the skills, she she could potentially unravel what we'd already created 
and we can't afford that to happen. Yeah. Well, it becomes, it becomes disruptive on everybody else's performance as well, doesn't it? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's hiring, onboarding. This is something that I see really letting so many people down, not having a, a specific onboarding. And the symptom of this is sometime down the track, um, essentially a business owner will say, I hired this new person and they're just, they're just no good. And 9.9 times out of 10, it's because they haven't been onboarded. Here's here's, here's the secret, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously not everything can be peachy keen. There is always going to be things that go wrong. Like I said, 9.9 times out of 10, it's a lack of an onboarding. It's it's interesting you say that. And I was reflecting on this the other day about our onboarding. I'm going through a performance doing a lot of work on my performance management framework for, with my team and onboarding as, as well at the moment. And one of the sort of conversations I was was having with my wife, Penny, about was around McDonald's, right? Because my son's going out there at the moment. He's looking for his first job. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had, had applied <laughs> to go and work at McDonald's. Now, McDonald's do not hire superstars. Come on, I worked at McDonald's. I was clearly, clearly a superstar. Okay, you had potential that was developed. (laughs) But McDonald's don't hire superstars and yet they deliver a consistent product. Okay, it's not necessarily a great product. It doesn't need to be a consistent Michelin star, but it is consistent. But one of the most successful businesses on the planet and they Mm -hmm. have no superstars in their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe at, you know somewhere in corporate they might have those, but mm-hmm. you know that their their product is developed by you know 15, 16, 14, you know, 17 year olds um, mm-hmm. who run the business, right? They have 18 year olds running their stores as managers, and you know that's kind of something that I think that we need to kind of look at, right? But what McDonald's do have is they do have an exceptional onboarding process, right? Absolutely, all new staff that says this is the thing that you will do, mm-hmm. right? you will sweep the rubbish. And then mm-hmm, once you mm-hmm. sweep the rubbish, this is the next job you'll move on to. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing you do, right? Mm-hmm. You take the chips, you pour them in here, you put them in the fryer for 30 seconds, then you take them out and we're done, mm-hmm. right? Next, all right? And then there's two shakes of the shake machine, the salt machine, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they've got this very, very clear onboarding process about your progression as a new employee and what you do when you become part of that organisation. Absolutely. And it's right from... The moment that you're employed, it's just you're following a checklist. Do this, do this, make sure you fill out this, make sure you do this. So it's all about systems. Something that we have just started doing, and many of our staff didn't go through this process, but our newer staff have, is when they come on with us and as soon as they've filled out their their paperwork for us, which is an actual paper, it's all online, by the way, we actually send them a welcome pack. Now, what that welcome pack is, things that they need to know so that they feel safe. So things like, you know, my email, Leon's email, exactly what the URLs are of all of our business, who their manager is, what their hours are, exactly how they log on for a shift, how they invoice, you know, the Zoom link for our team meetings, getting time off, what technology we use, all of those things so that they can feel safe, that they know exactly what needs to happen so that even before they turn up on day one, they've got some sort of idea what's happening rather than day one just going, 
whoa, you know, you almost can see their heads spinning going, <laughs> what? what, what am I, where am I, what am I doing? Yeah, and, and that day one thing is really scary. And the same way that we got, yeah. we would onboard our clients and <laughs> we want to do the same thing with our clients as well. It's equally important to do it with our, with our team mm-hmm. right? because that sets them up for success. Yeah, absolutely. And don't try and onboard a team member in one day. Everything that's in your head has been developed over years and years and years. Don't expect someone to come in and learn that in one hour and then get angry because they don't know what they're doing. They're on, the onboarding process, you know, it goes for, you know, potentially a year. Our project manager, you know, it's taken a year to get to the point that she's at because we have to slowly unpack everything. So obviously you're not you're not training them every single week for the same amount of hours, but you have to nurture them and, and help them to get to where they need to go. Yeah. I do find it interesting in some companies, and I can't think of one off the top of my head at the moment, but I know I've heard stories, read books, um, of companies that have a sort of, you know, might have a 30-day or 60-day onboarding process, and at the end of that 30 or 60 days, they offer the employee money to leave. Ah, Interesting, so interesting. Zappos do it, um, at least one, but you know, there's a 30-day onboarding process yep. right, and you get the opportunity to try it out. And you've gone through the multi-staged interview and right fit and values and everything. But at the end of that 30 days, it might be like, here's $5,000 if you don't think this is the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. Right, And we'll see mm. you later. Right? Most people, you know, if you get it right, most people turn that down because they go, this is going to be an amazing place to work, right? I've, I've mm-hmm, experienced mm-hmm. all this stuff. But I think it's an interesting approach for a, an idea for a, for a small business to do, to have have that really mature onboarding process and then say, if you don't think this is the right fit for you, now that you've had a bit of a taste test, mm. go. Yeah, I like that idea. Okay. I like it. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, at what point that becomes effective, I think, but uh, certainly, you know, if you've got the courage to do it, right, um, I think you actually get, again, far more effective employees than than you would otherwise do. Absolutely. Same, that same thing could be done for your, again, your third-party suppliers. You will keep your accountant. This is what we do. Yeah. This is how we work. Yeah. Right? You know, if you don't think this is the right organisation for you to be working with, here's, here's some money. See you later. <laughs> what a great way to get feedback on your leadership style. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> that starts to really help you understand, you know, what's going on in the full picture. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. What about ongoing training and development? I think this is critical. I'm building out right now with our team around roles and responsibilities and what success looks like for those, you know, for each each role. We go, we've got a, a little matrix we talk about, you know, how your role fits into the relationship with everybody else. I think that's often something that's missed is that, you know, you're here to do this function, but here's where you interact with everybody else and and make what they do a success and vice versa. And I think that's important both initially as well as ongoing. We're building out a two-year uh, training and development schedule mm-hmm. so that the first six months, this is what your training is going to look like. You know, in the mm-hmm. next six months, this is what your training will look like. These are the things that you need to complete, right? And we're going to talk about, you know, reviewing that at step six in this process. But, you know, that training and development, I think, is absolutely critical. We, we talked very early on about hiring for values and, and attitude and aptitude, not skills. Skills can be trained. But you've got to have that training and development process 
to be able to deliver that. And and I think the critical, as I said, the critical thing in that is actually showing people what success looks like. And that's a step mm. that I think most organisations miss. They go, here is the skill, go and do it, but not what is the outcome I'm expecting you from executing that skill. We've got a process if we're doing a more of project, like a launch, for example. And what we'll do is we will bring all of the team members in relates to. So, you know, your designers, your tech team, your customer service, everyone comes into that meeting where we talk about this is the launch, these are the dates, and we actually discuss, okay, so what's the best case scenario that we're aiming for? This is what will happen. This is the worst case. This will happen if we don't all pull our weight. So what we're doing is getting the team to understand how they affect the rest of the team. And then as a team, we come up with a success criteria. So our designers will say, well, for us to deliver on time, we need, you know, X, Y, Z to happen. And then, you know, that one of the other team members will say, well, for that to happen, I need, you know, A, B, C to happen. And I think that keeping or bringing the entire team in to understand how they all relate to each other is really important. And the first time that we did this was a huge aha moment for one of the team members that came in, one of our onshore team members. And she was like, wow, I've never experienced anything like that. I've never been in a team where everyone understands exactly how it all relates, but we're not just told where we actually put our heads together and do this as a collaborative process. And I absolutely love doing it that way because it gives context to what's happening. Yeah, uh, look, absolutely. And one of the things I love about the way you're developing your team and it's absolutely congruent with your leadership style is that it's actually empowering the people around you. Right? Mm. I think there's that saying, and I can't attribute it to anyone, is that you know a true leader, true leader success makes other people look better. Mm. Right, you know, surround yourself with uh, with amazing people. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> Give them the tools they need to succeed, and you know, get the hell out of their way. Right? Well, that's exactly <laughs> right because we have got the most amazing project manager on the planet. Like, we are so grateful to have her. And if I was micromanaging her, there is no way she'd be doing the work that she's doing. Mm. By us stepping back, we've given her the empowerment to take over her job. She's very proud of her job and and the results that she achieves. And that's come from us giving her the space to develop. Now, it's worth noting, of course, if you are a micromanager and that's the way you have to work, that all of these rules don't apply. You should throw them yeah. <laughs> But it's, we're talking about building effective teams here, right? And effective mm-hmm. teams come when you empower people. And I love you use that word, Sam, is that if you give people the empowerment to succeed, show them what it looks like when they do, and then give them the tools and resources to succeed, they will exceed your expectations. agreed. And you might be surprised at the outcome. Let's go on to step five here in our process, and that's really around communication. As I mentioned earlier, it surprises me how many people don't run any form of daily or weekly team meeting. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. Or how many particularly small businesses don't run that. And I, it's a little bit incredulous to me that you could actually like be on track to what your values and vision are if you're not having that open conversation, you know, not mm-hmm. just on an individual project basis, but like ongoing as well to say, hey, guys, this week we made this much money and we had this many meetings and this is what happened. Right? Mm-hmm. How do you think? How do you think we contribute? You, know, you contributed to that, right? What yeah, can we do better? Yeah. What can we be better as a team? In fact, as I said, as mentioned before, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work on my performance review process at the moment. That's one of the questions I ask: Is 
what can we do better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it yeah. for you? I mean, I know you do this really, really well with your with your team. How often do you meet with them? So I'm just sitting here with this sheepish look on my face because I know my team are all going to hear this episode because this is what they do. And I haven't <laughs> spoken to them for a couple of weeks. So they're all going to be having a little bit of a giggle right now. You haven't spoken to all of them in a couple of weeks. I'm sure you're Well, I've spoken to them all separately, but not as a team. So I am going to put my hand up and say I am not perfect. However, in saying that, they still together as a team communicate. So it's not like they have zero communication. So the team still checks in daily with each other and check in with the project manager. So that's a daily check-in and we and we are due for a team meeting <laughs> with, with me there as well. Yeah. I know you, used to, you, you run your team even without you, mm-hmm. run twice a week meetings, don't they? Progress meetings. Where's it, where are things up to? What do I need? They, they, check, in, they check in daily. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's actually a really good point. You don't need to be running the team meetings all the time. Yes, you definitely do need to be showing up to share your vision and to giving review, but you don't always need to be showing up every time. Mm. There just needs to be a system. You don't need to be part of the system. It could be, again, if you've got a, a project manager on your team or you're getting to that point where you need a project manager, they can run it. Yeah. Right? Or a COO. Okay. They can run it and they can give you a briefing. Totally. And, right? and that's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what about you? Because I know you, you meet with your team more regularly than I do. I do. I meet with my team. I mean, I'll talk to them again, you know, every single day. I've got a, a smaller team than you do. Um, but probably, you know, there's plenty of weeks we don't talk to them every day. But we do run a we do run a weekly team meeting where we go through, uh, you know, what we're grateful for, you know, from the last week, what we're working on, where our roadblocks are. Um, we'll do a, a sort of it's a bit of a combined sort of whip preview as well, so work in progress. So we'll talk about mm-hmm. what clients we're working on and and who we need to progress. Right, that might be getting stuck somewhere in our process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll certainly talk about that. But that whip meeting is something that very soon I'll be taking myself out of. Right? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. team will be able to run that without me as they do in yours as well. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I, I'm giving a lot of thought to, as even as we discuss this topic right now, is actually make, bringing in my accountant to those performance review meetings. Right? And say, mm-hmm. let's make it 30 minutes. Let's get the accountant along. Right? Let's get the lawyer along. Let's get the, you know, the, the external stakeholders. Right? Get your business coach mm-hmm. into that meeting. I'm going to be mm. running one for one of my clients. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be the one facilitating their weekly team marketing meeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, not, I love they're that. not running one right now. Right? And until such time as we transition those skills across to the owner, right? I'm going to be the facilitator of that meeting. I love that so much. And I'll be holding people account for the things that they need to be doing to contribute to the outcome. Right. And it, it won't, it's not a, it's not a blame thing. It's like, this is what you, this is your responsibility. What's your metric? Right. How's that going? What do you need to make to hit that? I think that's important that we, that we do that. We have that open communication and dialogue and everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Love it. So reviews, how does this fit in as part of your communication? I think it's more big picture stuff. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and around that management of expectation. Now, obviously, this is everyone at some point has been through one of these. It's the quarterly performance review or the, you know, 
half annual sort of performance review sort of thing, it usually scares the crap out of people. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no one likes to have the performance review meeting. <laughs> I suck. Uh, but I think they're important, and if you frame them in the right way, they can actually really be positive, constructive experiences. Mm-hmm. So that we want to look at, you know, hey, Sam, where where do you feel we're underutilizing you? What are your goals in the next 12 months? You know, what's an area mm-hmm. of skill you'd like to develop? You know, are you enjoying your job? Right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is this, this just that, as we would do with clients, every so often we check in and make sure that everything's, you know, managing expectation do you still align with our vision and values Mm. yeah i think that's really important we still do a review process weekly on a smaller scale where we ask our staff what are you really proud of because i want to celebrate all wins and what do you think you could have done better because i want them to be self-evaluating and instead of me constantly saying i don't want to be that person that's that wasn't good enough or I guess it also creates apathetic employees or team members that are always waiting to be told what they need to do better rather than them self-evaluating and understanding, well, this is the level that, that we need to achieve. So I do like to ask those two questions on a weekly basis. One of the things that really fosters is this culture, this, this underpinning culture, right? These sorts of approaches and these activities foster the culture. When we started, then you brought Mm. someone in in terms of vision and values and alignment with fit, right? This ongoing sort of conversation, right, also fosters and reinforces the values you set. So I can tell, Sam, you haven't used the word yet, but you value a culture of innovation and contribution. 100%. 100%. And when you've got that, putting the framework in place to foster that culture, of contribution and innovation actually delivers you, in this case, far greater results than you would otherwise expect if you were to take a very different approach. Mm, I think that thinking, and and we mentioned it um, in the last episode, in episode 299, that um, a, a team member, an employee will never sort of reach the level that, that we reach. And I know I've heard Gary V talk about it and saying, well, of course you can't expect that because you're the business owner, but I've got a bit of a different take on it. If you hire the right person and you empower them, there's nothing to say that they're actually not going to be better than you or have skills that are better than you. And in actual fact, that's what we want. I want my team members to be better than me. There is no way I'd be able to run our team from the, um, in the project management aspect, the way that our project manager does. She's an absolute gunner and we've hired her because that's her skills. So really, really comes back to your vision, your values and the culture that you're building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like super important. And that review process, it's just checking in on that to make sure you're still aligned. Let's quickly run through those six steps again. First one, making sure that you're you're really clear on your internal and your personal vision and values. That's number one. Second mm-hmm. one, making sure that you're higher for the right fit rather than skill. Uh, skills can always be trained. Having number three, having a really robust onboarding experience, right? And uh, if you're feeling brave, <laughs> invite people to leave right? and incentivize them to if you don't match what it is that you, what their expectations are, you'll find you get a better result in the outcome, uh, longer term. Making sure that you've got a, a training and development schedule. And 
I think also here it's also important to look at what else do we want to, you know, help people develop personally as well as professionally. I think that's a really important thing to do. Making sure that you've got open and regular communication at least weekly, if not daily, and then doing sort of monthly and, and quarterly performance reviews just to make sure that you're still on track with, with those expectations that you set right throughout your engagement process. Mm. Tim, what I'd love to ask you to finish up this episode is what have you learned over all the years that you've been running teams that has taken you a long time to learn, but you've got it right now and it's made a difference? I want to tell you a little bit of story. Back in the day when I was in IT project management, we had quite a nasty boss who would literally dress people down for lack of performance in front of peers. Oh, I hate um, that. Yeah, I hate that. And like <laughs> project managers are a pretty hardy, tough-skinned bunch, but he would literally call mm-hmm. people into his office and speak at them with such derision and vitriol and, and they would leave that office crying. Mm. Right, grown adults crying and being dressed down by their boss, right? which I think is just abhorrent kind of behaviour and way to treat people. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, the result that I then observed from those people, they didn't necessarily leave, but the result that I then observed from that behaviour was that we would do the bare minimum to stay under the radar. Mm. <laughs> okay. Now, the bare minimum if you want a company of bare minimums, great, go for it. But conversely, right, um, impl- bosses that I worked for that I felt valued me, encouraged me as an employee, gave me the skills and opportunities that we worked on together, right, made me feel like a, a valued part of a team, like I went over and above to deliver outcomes mm-hmm. right, mm. to those people. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, now that the shoe is on the other foot, when I am the employer and I am that boss, you know, what sort of boss do I want to be? Mm. I love that. I'm going to add to that a little bit because I think you've hit the nail on the head and that's a great story and thanks for sharing it. Something that I've learned, and it's taken me a little while to learn it because, you know, human, is to give team members the environment where they feel safe to fail. Because if your team members are afraid of getting in trouble, so exactly what you were saying, they'll hold back. And the, and the crazy thing is, is the more they hold back and the more they feel afraid, the more mistakes they're going to make. That if you allow your team members an environment where they feel safe to do what they feel like they need to do to push the envelope and know that they're going to fail sometimes because it's going to happen because we're all human, that you will get a far greater outcome than if you try and rein them in and make sure that nothing ever goes wrong. So I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, this has been one of our best episodes. I'm going to have to listen to this again myself. I know, and my team is probably going to send it back to me. Hey, Sam, I think you should listen (laughs) to this episode. (laughs) To everyone at Team Riley, massive shout out. You guys rock. We very much value you. As we value all of you that are listening, and thanks for listening to this episode. If you have a business owner in your life that would get some value from this episode, please share it with them. 
so that they can hear this for themselves and make some differences in their team. And of course, while you're on your app and you're sharing the episode, give us a subscribe or a follow to be notified when our next episode drops. Absolutely. And don't forget to jump over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook. You'll find this episode and all the others. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights uh, and takeaways and what you might do differently as a result of the advice you've heard here today. Love that. Love that. Let's share stories. We've all got stories of great stories to share and we've all got failure stories to share. Let's share them all. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. It's been great to share another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast with you. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes, the links from today's sponsors, and to download your detailed episode companion for the extensive notes and value bombs we shared today. And if you're looking to connect with other experts and change makers just like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at samanthariley.global forward slash podcast.